In December 1st, we celebrate our eighth year in ministry with you guys. And when we did that, and each day that passes, this is by far the longest place that I have ever stayed, Jelaine has ever stayed, except for growing up years, or any job that I've had, I've had this job the longest. I'm not sure if that's good news or bad news for you, but that's just the case it is. And for whatever reason, I've done lots of things before I became a pastor. I was an immigration officer in Vagerville. I was a construction worker. I was an aircraft mechanic in the military. I worked in the car industry. One summer, I had the glorious job of being an all-zone pilot plant technician. I rented apartments. I've been a janitor. And yes, I delivered drugs at one time as well for a pharmacy. On my bicycle, when I was 12 years old, believe it or not, I was pedaling around Hamilton, delivering who knows what kind of drugs to these people. I could have had lots of fun if I even thought about it, but anyways, I never. And for the most part, I've enjoyed these many jobs that I've had that have allowed me to experience many things, things from the kind of insignificant to the most powerful things imagined. Obviously, from the military, I fired a few weapons that were indeed powerful. FNC won at 200 yards into a ketchup can, and they said, pictures of man brain. I worked on jet fighters and experienced them up close and personal as they're in full afterburners on the run-up ramp, and you're like an inch away from them. This, there's vibrating. Or seeing an F-18 come over and, and strafe the top of the hill, and then take off the top of the hill with its rockets or being in a valley in the new space BC and have an F-18 fly over the ship that we're on literally that far away and see a pole up and full afterburners and the valley shook for half an hour afterwards indeed powerful things when I did construction I used lots of powerful tools and machines and obviously when they're used properly helped us greatly but when they were used improperly caused great hardship and havoc one of the guys in my crew was air nailing one day, and you're not supposed to do this, but everybody does it. You just hold the trigger and use the safety as a nailer. And he was reaching over, and the airline caught, and he nailed his knee with it. He was okay, except the doctor in concert didn't want to pull it out, so my boss actually got pliers to sterilize it, and he pulled it out of Derek's knee. I ran heavy-duty equipment, all things are powerful and great. Working in the car industry, I saw lots of powerful cars and had a few technicians and mechanics who knew how to make them more powerful. I've been in a Dodge truck doing 100 kilometers an hour down the highway and he changed gears from third to fourth and we went sideways because the back tires slipped. That's how powerful he could make this truck. various places I've lived and visited as well, I've experienced many things that are truly powerful and great. Growing up in Hamilton, Ontario, near Niagara Falls, who's ever seen Niagara Falls up close and personal? It's a roar that you'll never forget. The power of water is truly a sight to behold. You know, in the military, I met many great leaders that would make most soldiers shake. I remember when the chief of defense staff, he's the head of Canadian military, came into Borden, Ontario when I was doing trade training course. For a week beforehand, we shined anything that didn't move, and we saluted everything else that did. And our 
trainers, our sergeants and our warrant officers more nervous than we were because we were privates at that time. And when the chief of defense staff walked into the room, this old sergeant of mine, he actually shot up from his chair, jumped like a foot in the air and came down rigid as rigid could be. Because it was, of course, the chief of defense staff. Or another time I was on honor guard on a parade in Cold Lake and we didn't know who was coming in and we're standing out on attention and our 707 pulls up and after about 10 minutes this short Chinese communist officer came out and he reviewed the troops and he had a whole bunch of Chinese delegation with him, Canadian delegation and at the end they asked him politely usually the sergeant or the officer in charge of the parade said would you like to address the troops at that point in time, the Canadian liaison officer reached over and says, no, he would not. But this guy was probably high up in the Chinese government at that time. We've experienced lots of things, haven't we, environmentally. Who loves minus 45? Who has seen metal break at minus 45? Or plastic break? Or flight controls on aircraft shrink? when the hangar doors are open in minus 45. I've stood out in the middle of frozen cold lake, 15 kilometers out in the middle of winter with amazing star field overhead. And driving back, it was so cold, there's pressure ridges on the ice, and all of a sudden we saw open water. In Didsbury, my wife and I, when we moved there, we rented an apartment, and we didn't discover until the night we moved in that we lived a block away from a major north-south rail line and heard freight trains at three in the morning. Of course, by the time we left that apartment about a year later, we said, what freight train? <laughs> but we'd hear these things roar through. And you've heard me tell the story in London, Ontario, during my brother's unit's 100th anniversary. I shook Prince Philip's hand. We spent a few minutes talking with him. A powerful person, personality. And these are only some of the things that I've experienced. I'm sure you've experienced lots of powerful things in your life as well. Because the world we live in shows power. We've seen wind that can blow granaries over, roofs off. Have you seen water waves that can destroy things on the shore? Coral Lake Marina, if you've ever been up there, it's a beautiful marina. It opened in the late 1980s, and the day before it opened, there was waves on Coal Lake that were 12 feet high and totally destroyed that marina. I have pictures of people surfing, actually surfing on Coal Lake. And that's how powerful these things are. We know the sun is powerful. We leave things out in the sun, and it melts and it rolls. What happens to tractor tires if you leave them out in the sun? What happens to us if we leave ourselves out in the sun? We've experienced extreme heat, bitter cold, <laughs> and snow that shuts down everything. You think of the snow we had. Remember last month in the Maritimes, how much snow they had? There are many powerful things in this world. And the dictionary says that the word powerful means having great power or strength. And again, we all have examples. But I would contest that even with these things that I've mentioned, even with these things that we perhaps thought about, even with these things that we have experienced, 
These things even combined do not, cannot compare to the power that's represented on the table in front of me. The bread, which represents the body. The blood represents the blood. This Lord's table represents the most powerful thing, most powerful event that has ever happened, will ever happen in this world. This powerful thing, in fact, is that God gave us, gave this world, his son. Who knows the verse, John three sixteen? For God so loved the world that he gave his one begotten son, whatever translation you follow, that whoever believes him should not perish but have eternal life. Why did he give this world his son? So his son would die. And in dying, in having his body broken, in having his blood poured out, what's the result? Our sin, the world's sin, could be forgiven. Sin had meant its full. Adding to this powerful act that God gave to the world Jesus, that Jesus died on the cross, is that Jesus died, needed to die, only once. Before this, sacrifices were made daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, every decade, for centuries. And then one act on a Friday afternoon... The sacrifice was made, period. 1 Peter 3.18, For Christ also suffered once for sin. Once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, bring, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time not to deal with sin, but to save those who eagerly await for him. And Romans 6.10, for the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. That's powerful to do something once and it's done. Wouldn't you love to take the garbage out once and it's done? George, wouldn't you love to listen to Kristen once and be done? <laughs> Wives, wouldn't it be great to cook that meal once and you don't have to cook anymore? Kids, doing dishes, wouldn't it be great to do the dishes once and that's it? But that's not the way life usually works, right? Usually we have to repeat things, repeat things, repeat things, repeat things. Jesus does not have to repeat anything. Now, if that's not power, then what is? Further to this is the glorious fact that when people accept this gift, they're not only forgiven, but we are granted eternal life. Because it's one thing to have our sins forgiven, it's another thing to be given eternal life, isn't it? Because God could have granted us our sins forgiven, we died righteous. It's another thing to be granted eternal life. Eternal life means that we're going to live forever. That's the last part of verse, six, uh, verse 16 of John chapter 3. 
that we should not perish but have eternal life. That tells us a lot that in the act on the cross, through Jesus, God reversed everything of the fall. Before the fall, there was no death. Because of sin, death came. See, Jesus' death is the most powerful event that has ever taken place, will ever take place in this world. And this is one of the reasons why we've come, we gather today. It's one of the reasons why we need to celebrate this table when we come and celebrate it often. We need to fight against the routineness of it. Because we do it once a month, routine can set in. If I asked you which sock you put on first this morning, could you actually answer me? I have no idea. I did. I just put my socks on. You ever drove somewhere and got there and thought, how did I get here? Well, if that might be a case, you might need to go to see a doctor as well, but I've done that. I got, the, I got back from Forsberg. I got to Forsberg like, okay, I got here. My car's not scratched. I must have got here, but I have no idea. See, this table's so routine that we talked about the cross of Jesus Christ so much that we talked about Jesus. We need to be reminded once in a while of the power that this table, that this cross represents. Especially when it seems like sometimes things of so much lesser power can easily distract us. A loss of relationship. That event or an event that makes us go sour. You know, that expectation that's not fulfilled. Things that appear close seem really big, right? That's why I'm standing up here because they look smaller in your eyes. But those things that distract us of the, the power of the cross, in comparison, in the proper perspective, what is more powerful than the cross? That thing that hinders us? Or what Jesus accomplished on the cross. So as we prepare to, to, for communion. As we prepare to celebrate what Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross. Let us consider very quickly three things. That the cross that Jesus Christ does for us. That we never have to doubt. Despite those things that appear way bigger than they are taken from a website called the Bible Talk TV. It's adapted from it. And the article leads up and starts this way. It says, the cross of Jesus Christ has the power to do three things that nothing or no one else can accomplish. And very quickly, number one, the cross has the power to set men free. This has been proven throughout history. Only the cross can truly set people free from the guilt, anxiety, fear, shame, all the other things that sin produces within people, even if they admit it or not. What does Romans 3.23 says? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Deep down in our conscience, because of original sin, we all feel something because of sin. 
Some won't admit it because their conscience is being so seared. This is why, since all fall short of the glory of God, is why all then need a Savior. Not just a, to save people from their sins, but also to set people free from their sins. Because if you're in jail and I come to rescue you and says, hey, I'm here to rescue you and never undo your chains, are you really rescued? Can you go and live differently? Jesus breaks into the jail cell. He saves us and frees us, allowing us truly to live then. 1 Peter 2.24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. So the first thing the cross of Jesus Christ does for us is free us. Free us today to live the life today. We don't peddle the gospel to say you can have a great life in eternity. We peddle the gospel, really bad choice of words. It means that we are free from our, or saved from our sins and free to live the abundant life today. That's the first thing the cross of Jesus Christ does for us is to free us. The second thing, the cross has the power to create in us a desire for righteousness. The cross has the power to create in us an appetite for good works, for what's pure, what's true, what's truth. Now, does that mean we go for perfection? No, because we'll never act, actively achieve it here in this work, in this life. But the, Christ, the cross of Christ should produce in us a desire, an appetite to long to become more holy. And I would argue that that longing is proportional to the depth of how we understand what Jesus Christ accomplished for us on the cross. Did those songs that we sang, especially that last one, stir up in your heart something deep about what Christ has done for us? See, no, one, no law can produce an affection in a person's heart towards something. My wife could say, you must love me or else I'll skin you alive, as her latest saying. And that may invoke David a fear. She doesn't say it that much. <laughs> You're thinking she should say it a whole bunch more. No law can produce in one's heart a love for someone else. No threats of punishment can make us want to do what is right and good for very long. How many of you ever got a speeding ticket? And then a couple weeks, days, hours later, you got another one. See, no law can produce good works. No amount of self-discipline or willpower can make a person love righteousness. To love what is true and good and etc. However, the cross of Christ has attraction to it because it has the power to create this desire in the human heart. Again, as we contemplate Jesus' sacrifice for us, 
When we contemplate Jesus' sacrifice, what it costs for him to make us righteous, we'll start to understand and have affections towards truth, towards Jesus. Because, let's face it, if you're God and you looked upon human condition, what would you do? What would you do with us who see that we get the speeding ticket and we just keep on speeding? What do you do with us if you curse God or saw coming so curse God and kept cursing God? What would you do if you were God and you saw people basically thumb your nose at your at at you? I know what I would do. I turn my back and walk away. And if you're honest, you'd probably say the same thing. Well, that's not God. Instead of turning his back, what did he do? He gave us his very best. He gave us himself to cure, to give us the remedy towards sin that destroyed his creation. And that knowledge ought to awaken us a deep desire. And affections for him. Paul says in Romans chapter 7 verses 5 to 6. For while we were living in the flesh. Our sinful passions arose by the law. Were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. In other words when we didn't know Jesus. We just did what we thought was right. What felt right. What we thought would make us feel good etc. But now we are released from the law. Having died to that which held us captive. So that we served in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. In other words, we're led by the Spirit, transformed by the Spirit, His power. And that ought to cause us to hunger, to thirst after righteousness, after God Himself. That's the second proof towards how powerful the cross of Jesus Christ is. It can literally change our appetites. Not if we like broccoli or not. But if we like God or not. If we desire the things of God or not. If we ponder about the power of the cross. And thirdly, the cross has the power to convince me, convince us that we are loved. You ever play the game? God loves me. God doesn't love me. God loves me. God doesn't love me. Based on our circumstances, the situations, or our lot in life, I think a lot of people do. Because we know the statistics. What's the level of self-esteem in North America right now for most people? We don't feel like we measure up, do we? And that plays out not just across human relationships, so that plays out to how we view God likes us or doesn't like us. Now, part of that is our sinful nature is we compare ourselves to other people. Or they compare us to themselves. See, the power of the cross is that it has the power to break that cycle. Because what does John 3.16 says again? For God so loved the world. Never doubt that God loves the world. 
He says, I love you with his son, Jesus. He shows us his love by Jesus. He shows that he's for us by Jesus. So we all fall into those weak moments, right? Nobody cares for me. I shouldn't go to church because nobody wants me. What does the cross tell us? God cares. John 15, 15 says, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. In other words, Jesus is not holding anything back to us and from us. See, that's the beauty of the traction power of the cross in this world where its self-identity is so warped. It's not who we are that brings us to the cross. It's because of what Christ has done and who he is that attracts us to the cross. See, none other thing in this world has the power to love us this way. Even if I'll be honest, even if our personal history is not that great. If we have been even told we're not worthy of the love of God. Sorry, the cross breaks through and tells us something different. If we have been told that because we don't dress a certain way, we're not the right skin color, etc., the cross stands in the way and says, the foot of the cross is level ground. So my encouragement for us is keep our eyes fixed on the cross because that's where the power of God resides. The power of God tells us that we're loved. The power of the cross creates in us a desire for righteousness. And the power of the cross sets us free. This is what this table represents today as we prepare. This table is the most powerful thing that this world, this universe has ever seen. So let us prepare as we about to partake. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the power of the cross. And would you work its power in us deeper this morning as we partake in these emblems that represent what Christ accomplished on the cross. But also as we move away from this table into our week, let us remember. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Invite the worship team up as we prepare.